Australia's premier user experience design conference. This is UX Australia 2018. Lauren Curry, welcome to UX Australia 2018. And you have been an absolute hit here in Melbourne uh, for day one of the conference. We've been uh, meeting with many of the delegates, 850 in fact, are here as you know, and they have just loved not only just not your, your presentation, but more about the content and your stories and, and how you've evolved and where you are today. You must be absolutely thrilled. I am. I'm very, very humbled by the response and the reaction and just very honoured that Steve and his team invited me to to be the opening of their 10th event. This feels really special. How important is it to come to an event like this where there are 850 like-minded people all in the room at the same time who are hungry, who are keen to learn and share what they, what they know? I think events are really important and the importance kind of changes shape I think depending on what stage in your journey you're at and I think that's an important thing to recognize because often I know that I feel pressure to be at all the events all the time and you can't do that so it's about choosing an event that where you feel the language of the event and the people on the program speak to you and speak to your values and showing up in a way that allows you to be as present as possible So, you know, I know a lot of people, it's a big ask to take two whole days out of work, but I think the more you can be present, the more you can come with an intention of, for example, I want to talk to at least three people about my new idea, or I want to find out how I can get in touch with a director of such and such company. You know, coming with an intention, I think, is always very useful. You're one of the UK's top business um, women under 35, uh, you've received an, an OBE. Sometimes do you have to remind yourself sort of where you were and how far you've come? Um, if I'm really honest, no. I think I, I don't really think about those things very often. And if anything, what happens is the people around about me often have to remind me what I've achieved and and the kind of journey I've been on because for me you know I I'm still the same person I was in many ways when I started and I'm still driven by the same things and I'm still very very grounded and you know I think what what matters to me and what matters to me about what it means to be a designer and really that's that's a truth that I work hard to hold on to you know I think titles and awards are lovely and useful because they enable me to have more power and influence and I take that very seriously and try you know try to share that as much as possible but ultimately they're about benefiting the community and the discipline as a whole much rather than one individual. Several comments that we've received in um, response to your presentation has been about uh, women and that women have now been inspired more so after hearing your presentation that they entered the field, but in hearing what you had to say, they're now more driven. That must be that must be exciting to hear such comments like that. Yes, it makes me so, so happy, and it makes me feel warm and fuzzy inside. For me, that really is, you know, even if 
from my talk today, just one woman puts herself forward to speak next year who might not have done that previously. You know, that feels like a huge accomplishment. You know, I met um, a gentleman after my talk who said, um, and his team had been thinking of hiring a new, very sought-after person as a director, but that person happens to be pregnant, and they were very nervous about that hire. And after my speech, they've made the decision to bring her on board. And, you know, I just thought, well, job done. That feels that feels great, and I hope that me and others can continue to spread that message. In fact, part of your presentation did focus on, on women. Has it, has it always been challenging, though, for women? I mean, you, you've obviously um, uh, a, a true example of what women can do, but were there times when you found that there were barriers or ceilings that you had to deal with? Yes, constantly, and still very much so. I think we live in a world where the default setting is, is always male. So we have to strive for equality. We have to strive for a 50-50 balance. And I want us to work towards redesigning every single aspect of the system so that it works for mums and parents and families and not simply work on our ability to work outside the system. What do you make of the, uh, the Me Too movement or the women's movement um, around the world today? Do you have a, a particular... Um, voice or a say in in what we're seeing around the world? Yes, I think we are seeing a huge shift in awareness. There's a much greater level of conversation and debate happening. And I think actually, you know, we could go into the nitty-gritty details of the pros and cons of each individual movement and campaign, but the, the result is that women's voices and voices from people from marginalised groups are being heard more than ever before. And we've still got such a huge long way to go, but we are taking steps in the right direction. But we cannot rest on our laurels because there's so much work to be done. You're the managing director of Nobel. Now, Nobel and the story behind the name of the business, and I know you shared this in your presentation. I'd like you to share it with us um, for our podcast audience, but it... (laughs) I have to chuckle every time I hear it because it's it's a beautiful story. It truly is. It is. So Alfred Nobel was a Swedish chemist and engineer and he was known for inventing dynamite. And in 1888, his brother died and the local newspaper wrote the wrong obituary. So they actually wrote the obituary of Alfred as opposed to his brother. And in his obituary, they talked about Alfred as the man who invented dynamite and who spent all of his waking life trying to design ways to kill more people faster. And as you can imagine, this made Alfred really question his legacy and question the meaning of his work. And it really inspired him to change tact. And he signed his estate off uh, to the Nobel institution in the end. What are you most proud of in the work that you and your colleagues do um, in, uh, with Nobel? So I'm very proud of the, the fact that Nobel are an organisation that are so dedicated to practising what they preach. Now, I think in the world of innovation, change, design, it's very easy to talk the talk. And I think it's very rare where teams actually 
practice the methodologies and processes that they work with their clients on. So Nobel is a collective, we're employee-owned, which, you know, is a huge statement of the intention of our founders and, you know, our future vision of how we want to grow. And, you know, we do things like... Um, we have monthly retros every six months. We design a whole new almost company canvas of who we are, why we're doing the work we're doing, what's working, what's not working. Uh, we've decided that each version of that has to be named after uh, a famous explosive um, inspired by Alfred. So, yeah, we also, you know, we, we make things. We build things that exist in the world. So I was really proud to share the the recent Slack bot that we've built to help teams make decisions better because decision making is something that gets very difficult as your team expands. So not only do we work with leaders and teams and we spend a lot of time in the real nitty gritty messiness of change, we also build and ship products so that we can see things we want to exist in the world um, be in the hands of people and hopefully be making even more change. Why does decision-making have to be so difficult at times? You would think that if it's a good idea, we would want to all embrace it. <laughs> in, in the, in the, yeah. I guess in a, in a different world, maybe. I mean, it's a good question. And I think, you know, when you're, when you're very small, decision-making is easy because you can all sit around a table. And when you start to grow, consensus becomes much more difficult. And then you have to make trade-offs and you have to make compromises. And that's when people become unhappy or people feel unheard and then you've got the you know the constant tension of the pace of delivery and the pace of you know your business meeting its deadlines and targets but also trying to make decisions in the best way and it's not always about inclusivity and every single person having a voice often it's about autonomy and empowering small teams so that they can make decisions, make things be how they want to be without being dependent on anybody else outside their team for that. It's one of the, the reasons why we, uh, we're, might, we might be reluctant in making a decision is because we're frightened to know if it's the right decision at the right time, maybe? Yeah, so something that we practice at Nobel with our clients is this idea of thinking about what you can do that feels safe to try. So it's not about everybody agreeing that this idea is fabulous and wonderful, but it's about everybody agreeing that, okay, if we try this, it will not harm our business. And by harm, I mean, you know, losing customers, losing revenue, significant harm that we could measure. And that's very simple but significant shift in mindset changes how how quickly, actually, you can come to making a decision when it becomes about what's safe to try. Because you, you say that the, the world makes it difficult to be an optimist <laughs> and that tomorrow ought to be better than today. And um, I couldn't agree with you more. And I'd like to think that we're all moving in the right direction. But the world is an interesting place at the moment, isn't it? And especially in the workplace, because technology, and, and I welcome your thoughts on that too, because technology and in Australia, we embrace technology, new technology, we love it. Um, where do you see some of the challenges in, in technology? And, you know, is, is it a friend or is it a foe? Or, or, or where do you see, or where do you, where do you fit into that? A great question. I mean, I think really 
digital and technology at the end of the day is is just a tool. And really it's about the, the human beings and the behaviour behind that tool and the consequences that that tool enables. So I think the challenges that come with working in a more digital way is things like we have to work in a much more multidisciplinary, cross-collaborative way, which requires new ways of working and new ways of managing. There's also huge challenges around ethics of technology. So, you know, we know that harmful algorithms exist. We know that our data is being compromised. And, you know, there's a a really big, scary questions that designers and leaders of organisations who build and and develop these, uh, these new tools and technologies need to be asking themselves. What's your thoughts on uh, social media and how social media plays a role in businesses today? It's no longer the fancy toy, you know. We're all um, using it on diff- you know, in various ways, but where do you see it most effective in businesses in the work that you do? Good question. So I think social media, again, it's another tool, right? So And I think uh, that's something that we need to hold on to because all of these things... Are, are just tools and it's about what we do with them and it's about knowing a, what tool to use at the right time. And for me, social media is exciting when it, it changes behaviour, you know, so we can see that, you know, you referred to the women's, um, the women's March, you know, social media is a huge enabler for people to gather offline to march for a cause that they care about. I think for businesses it's useful when it starts to become a two-way dialogue. So a lot of businesses get it wrong because they they it's a one-way communication. They preach or they project and they shout um, into the ether and it's very quickly it's very easy to identify businesses who really understand that this is about engagement it's about storytelling it's about groups of people having a conversation it's not about everybody agreeing it's not about trying to push your message on top of someone else so the businesses that do it best are businesses that really embrace that and embrace actually the uncomfortableness that can come with that and the ambiguity that can come with that that whole sort of user experience it's all about the experience today even when we holiday it's about the experience and we want to share that experience and I guess um, social media has played quite a significant role in that in the ability to share and to uh, and also to to get some sort of feedback what excites you about the future I mean you 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 you, you your job is to reflect but also to to think forward what are you excited about so I'm excited about the Yeah, I think what I talked about this morning in terms of all the reasons to be optimistic, you know, as much as there are horrific men in power all over the world right now, there are also amazing things happening and there are realities that I think our newspapers tend to shy away from, you know, things like global global poverty is at the lowest it's ever been, our world is the most peaceful it's ever been. We've got amazing movements happening. You know, Australia voted for gay marriage. Iceland have made it the law that companies have to prove that they're paying genders, different genders equally. You know, and that stuff feels really exciting. And I think there seems, it feels like there's a shift in awareness. People are becoming much more aware of 
complex things like sexism and ageism and climate change and things that perhaps prior to now we've we've been a bit wary of or been a bit uncomfortable to engage with and I feel like people are really jumping into those conversations in a much more vigorous way which we must continue to do no matter the excuses we can make for ourselves and that feels very exciting. And final question, your thoughts on um, millennials because they often get um, a bit of a bad rap, don't they? Especially in the workplace, millennials uh, have a certain uh, approach to work, which um, some of we older folk can't not necessarily understand from time to time. But how do you see the millennials today? Uh, so I think technically I am one. Ah, okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and I mean, to be really honest, I think we need to move past that question, if I may, and realise that. You know, the millennials are the CEOs and they're the managers and they are building the startups that are putting the dinosaurs out of business. So whether you like the way that Forbes magazine tells us they work or not, you know, all of those things are should be taken with a pinch of salt. And actually what we should be inspired by is the the young people around the world who are taking a stand and refusing to accept the status quo and actually working hard every day on difficult things to try and solve problems that matter to them. Well, thank you for travelling to Australia to be part of UX Australia 2018. A great uh, opportunity to hear you and to speak with you and enjoy the rest of your time. Thank you, Anthony. It's such a joy to meet you. Thank you very much.